It's good to see all of you, and happy Father's Day to every one of you. God is good, isn't he? How many people in here love Jesus Christ with all of your heart? Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand just for a moment. I have something we need to do, and we're going to get right into the Word of the Lord just momentarily, but we've been praying for several people that um, are in the hospital, Pastor Rudy Rodriguez is still in the hospital on a ventilator and uh, Giovanna's dad uh, she received word this morning is on 100% oxygen and her mom is uh, also dealing with the same stuff uh, COVID so what we need to do is join our faith right now and just speak healing to these people I'm going to ask you to the Bible says lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting okay so let's lift up our hands in faith right now and let's call their name. Everyone say, Virgilio, be healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that his oxygen level is coming up right now. Things are changing in his body right now. We speak, we decree, and we declare divine healing in that room right now we we pray for Juanita say her name Juanita father we pray for Juanita right now that all symptoms be gone in the name of Jesus father we speak healing to both of them in Jesus name father we pray for pastor Rudy Rodriguez say his name pastor Rudy Rodriguez we call his name out to you Lord and we say heal him heal him do a miracle bring him back even though his heart has failed his kidneys have failed his liver is has failed we speak it shall turn and be revived his entire system will be revived and father i speak to giovanna her siblings in jesus name that they be encouraged be comforted be lifted up Father, in the name of Jesus, let their faith arise right now. And Father, we praise you for your miracle working power. I pray for any family members of anyone in this building or anyone in this sanctuary that is dealing with any kind of disease or disease. I speak the name of Jesus. I plead the blood. By your stripes, we were healed. Father, we give you praise for appropriated healing right now in Jesus name let's everybody begin to give God a jubilant praise and let's thank him for his healing power come on somebody clap your hands and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph bless your name Jesus I want you to say to three people around you, everything is all right. Just say it. Everything is all right. And then you may be seated. And as you are seated, I just want to tell you, thank you for being in church during summer. Every pastor is concerned about summer slumps, you know. People go on vacation, and especially coming out of the kind of year we had, you know, pastors are concerned across this nation about the health of their church. I told God the other day, I'm not worried about numbers. I'm worried about health. I just want us to have a healthy church. Can you say amen to that? We want to celebrate 
not just fathers, but men today. So I'm going to ask you if you are a male to please stand. If you are a man, please stand. I kind of think they ought to call this day not just Father's Day, but Man's Day. <coughs> Remain standing because there are men in here that do not have children that serve in the capacity of a father. So that's why I wanted you to stand. Some of you have children that are, I was, I was thinking about Tyler, he has a child on the way, and uh, it's, it's just an incredible feeling. But I don't want us just to celebrate the fact that we're fathers. We need to celebrate the fact that God created us male. Amen. Right? Amen. Here's what I want you to do. There's a man standing near you. Just stretch your hands toward them ladies and young people in the building and pray for them. Father, make these men stalwart men. Fortify them as men. I thank you, God, for galvanizing their faith that they'll live with a resolution in their heart to serve their purpose before they die. Thank you for godly men, men of integrity and men of great, great character. Bless these men in this house in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise one more time, shall we? I want to, what are you doing? You're going to tell me happy Father's Day? I am. Thank you. But there's a little more than that. You guys can have your seats. I just wanted to come up here and say happy Father's Day to my dad because you're my dad. You're very, yeah. I yes. Am. This is my father. I really am. He's my father in whom Thank I am you, well Crystal. pleased. <laughs> this is my father in whom I am well pleased. Yes. You're too kind, Chris. Yes. Well, um, for a lot of us, you're not just, well, you're not just my, you know, birth father, but you're my spiritual father Biological. as well. Biological. Biological. That was the word I was looking yeah, for. I got you. You're my spiritual father as well. And for many of you, that's the case as well. He's helped you birth things in life. He's helped you walk through things. And that's what a father does. He brings revelation to your life. He encourages you. He loves you. He pulls you through times that you don't think you can make it. That's definitions of father. And if this man has done those things for you through his messages or his prayers, I want you to wave your hand. And I want you to tell him thank you. And we honor you today. You are our spiritual father, and we thank you for bringing us through hard times, for putting that word in our lives, for speaking into us, wow. for helping us to believe we can make it through. Amen. I know it's good. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So in order... To show some love, we really don't do this often for you because you don't like it, but we're going to do it today. You we made me some red beans and rice. My kids ate it last night. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have a little gift for you right here. Oh, wow. Yay! Yes. And listen, this is why he needed a new one. Let me tell y'all. His stirrup broke when he was riding the okay. other day. Praise the Lord. And he could have hurt himself, but that's all I'm going to say. So he, you, you needed a good new one. 
So there you go. You could, you could have, you could have told them that I did taste. I Some did, red dirt. I tasted red dirt for the first time. Glasses broke. Broke my glasses. Um, but hey, it's hard to ride a horse with one stirrup. That's right. So yeah. check those stirrups, Josh, and after you ride it, <laughs> then let me know. And <laughs> you guys are too, too kind. Oh, yeah, let's do. I think it's great. Thank you, Crystal. I love you. Awesome. I told the staff I found this little video, and our, our media team is like Johnny on the spot. I said, show this video. So here's the video. Sit down. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm. Vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa! Money really does grow on trees. Things you will never hear dad say. Isn't that awesome? Let's stand for the reading of the word. And uh, I'm going to preach a little bit this morning and, and give you some word for your life. And I know that the Lord is going to touch you in a magnificent way. Genesis chapter 45, and, and we're going to read just a few verses here and get right into this. I was thinking today on the way here, I asked Giovanna, what, what happened to the gladiator, right? What happened to um, Tombstone? What happened to, uh, what's the movie with Kevin Costner and the, oh, Dancing with Wolves, right? What happened to movies like 300? Right. 
What happened to the Marlboro man? <laughs> we traded him for the guys at Sonic. You never hear words like manhood in sentences anymore or manliness. You never hear those words anymore. It's interesting to me. Sit down. I'm just going to go here with it. You live in a cancel culture. And everything that can be done is being done to erase lines. They're not blurring lines. They're erasing lines. The power of lines is not to make one person feel subservient to another person. The power of lines is to show the distinction of God's creation and then apply appreciation to that distinction. A man is not a woman. There's a line there. A woman is not a man. Uh, we're doing children a disservice to tell them you decide if you're a boy or a girl. I got it. You decide your gender. You don't get that privilege. And it is a privilege for you to be a woman if you are created as a woman. It is a privilege for you to be a man if you are created as a man. In the same way, it is a privilege for you to be black. It is a privilege for you to be white. Cancel culture with all of its theories and rhetoric is very detrimental to the health of not just people, but specifically the people of God if we allow those theories to infiltrate the mindset of believers. Therefore, we have lines. And we say, you're not allowed in God's house. We will not allow the worlds, the rudiments of the world, the patterns of the world, to dictate the doctrines that we find in Scripture that we call principles to live by. When you saturate your principles with ideologies, it's like drinking weak tea. You don't taste the real substance. Are you with me right now? And the generation you inhabit and the time that you live in, everything that can be done is being done to erase lines. Preaching good, Pastor Rick. We're having a crisis in this country. Not only in this country, but in the world, we're having a crisis. And I'm very concerned about it. So if a man is a man, then only a man can be a father. A woman cannot be a father. In any way, she can't father children. A woman cannot beget a child. 
a woman births a child. But men beget children. That's what makes them fathers. The book of Matthew says this man beget this child and this man beget that child. It never says this woman beget that child. Women birth. Men beget even to the point that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. That be very careful he says I warn you. You have 10,000 instructors but you do not have many spiritual fathers he said I beget you through the gospel even spiritual fathering is begetting children are y'all with me women know how to push they know how to carry pain they know how to stretch out of proportion men know how to speak and reproduce are y'all with me right now these are called distinctions that we should appreciate. We're in a mess. We are in a mess. To the point that we don't even know what the rainbow stands for anymore. Because suddenly people who do not know who they are sexually. Have claimed the rainbow to be their flag. That rainbow belongs to God. And that rainbow is in direct correlation to a promise that God made. So we're going to tell all the gay people it's pride, Ma. We take pride in the promise of God. Somebody just scream real loud, take the rainbow back. Amen. And I, I didn't want to, I'm not condescending to, you know, and making it sound like I don't like or hate gay people. It's not our office. It's not our, you don't even get that. You have to love everybody. But you can't decide that you're just going to start taking stuff and make it part of your party. I'll stop. I'll stop. I just won't know where men are. Even in commercials, if you watch commercials, Men are so weak in commercials. What happened to the weightlifting commercials? You know, I, I, don't, I don't even, you know, I don't smoke, but I kind of like seeing that guy with the cigarette eye hanging out the side of his mouth and his cowboy hat low. You know, he's kind of got that rugged look on his face. I kind of like that stuff. You got to search for that stuff. Now, you got to buy apps to find cowboys on TV. Anyway. I'll be your huckleberry. Genesis chapter 45. Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them. I know that got on some of y'all's nerves. Because you're kind of liking this. We're all the same men, women, children. Have as much authority with their voice as you do. And boy, Lord, help me to refrain. Help me to refrain right now. Kids running houses telling their parents we not going to do that or I don't want to do that. Why? Because I don't feel like it. The only time I ask my kid is how do you feel about it 
is after I whooped them. All right, sorry. After I tear that tail up, then I, now how, how you feel? I was born in the wrong generation. I'm telling you, man, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm in some restaurants, and I'm telling you, boy, I'm like, if you don't whoop that child, See, I was raised in the kind of church. The church mothers whipped everybody's children. I'm just telling you where I'm from. Like if your kid come running through the church, a church mother would just grab them and say, hold on, whack, don't you run in here. And it wasn't no, I'm going to tell my mama you spanked me. It was yes, ma'am. My mama wasn't the only one pinched me up underneath the arm. You know what? You pinch them there so you can hide that bruise. Am I right about it, Christian? You get that, that, that real fresh, fresh area right there. And turn it. <coughs> yeah. Well, my daddy, I'm sorry. My daddy was rough, man. He didn't get saved till he was 42. You know, and when you get saved at 42, you just barely saved for the rest of your life. Because you ain't been real good and indoctrinated, you know. It's hard to let go of some stuff at 42. So you almost got to get saved every day after you're 42. In my house, we didn't have whoopings. We had hog killings. Seven kids. And my dad got after us, he whipped you with everything he could find. He just reaching for stuff, a fruit bowl. The worst sound in the world is brrrr. When you hear that sound, it kind of sounds like a machine gun. You just start ducking like, oh, Lord, somebody finna get tore up. Some of y'all have never heard that sound. Then he would brrrr, he'll rip it off, and then he want to pop it. Walking towards you like, pop, pop. And every time he does it, your old butt just say, ooh, ooh. You felt whooped by the time he got to you. You didn't really need it after that. Whew. Happy Father's Day. I should read the text. I told somebody the other day, you know, our family's huge. We had like six generations. I think we still have six or seven generations alive right now in my family. So when we do family reunions, you're talking about three, four hundred people. And just because of two guys, <laughs> Uncle Bill and Daddy, and they produced. But my dad, my dad, <coughs> when the house would be full, you know, it would get loud. And my dad could just speak because he, he didn't talk a lot. But when he spoke, the whole house got silent because they knew daddy was about to say something. 
And when Daddy spoke, E.F. Hutton got quiet. Everybody listened. And the screen door had to be shut a certain way. When the news was on, don't dare say a word. Are y'all with me? And when you brought him his coffee, it better be hot. Which means not only out of the coffee pot, but then you got to stick it in the microwave for a minute. That man's tongue was made of leather, I swear. He didn't even blow it. I mean, he just pull it up. And you just look at him like, you are really Superman. My dad just had a way about him. He always starched his shirts. You never saw my dad with a shirt on that wasn't starched. Had creases in it. Mostly khaki. Khaki shirts. And overalls. Always had, like Mike, always had his overalls on. That's why I love it when Mike runs. Because when Mike runs, I always have to look twice. Was that my daddy? All right. Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to come out from me. And this is when Joseph is revealing himself to his brothers. And there stood no man with him while Joseph, listen to it carefully, made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard him weeping. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Listen to the next question. Does my father yet live? What was his concern? Say it. His father. And his brothers could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, come, come near to me. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother. You sold me. You ever been sold out by your brothers? You sold me into Egypt. But don't be grieved nor angry with yourselves that you did what you did. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land. And there's going to be five more in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest, reaping nor planting. And God has sent me before you, he says it a second time, to do what? Preserve you a posterity and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me here, but God. Wait a minute now. Now he's saying God sent me here. And he hath made me a father. Boy, that's powerful. And God has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all of his house, ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Go up to my father and tell him, thus saith your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. I'm just going to take just six words out of verse number eight. He has made me a father. He, God, has made me a father. I'm going to preach a message because it's Pride Month. Right. 
called the pride of a father. Say those words. The pride of a father. See the word father is mentioned 1,511 times in scripture. The word mother is mentioned 299 times. That does not mean mothers are not as significant as fathers. I simply said that to say that the word father is mentioned 1,511 times. The word mother is mentioned 299 times. The whole Bible is a narrative about a father and his son. The whole Bible is a story about God the Father and Jesus his son. From Genesis to Revelation, it is a beautiful story about God the Father and Jesus the son. So when I start thinking about the impact, the importance, the priority a father. I thought about this that the presence of a father should be more valuable to you than the presence from a father. I preached a message one time called When You Find a Father. And I talked about the importance of having a father, the necessity of having the father, and finally, the wonderful opportunity we all have of having a father. As a matter of fact, when Isaiah prophesied the offices of Christ in relation to, be a, to being a father, he gave him one characteristic, and that was everlasting. He's an everlasting father. He don't miss your ball games. He's there for every event. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. See, here's the one common denominator we all have in this building. We all have a father. And there are those of you in here saying, but I don't have a biological father. But you have a father much greater than a biological father could ever be. You have an everlasting father. The pressure on men and the pressure on fathers is almost insurmountable in the day you live in. Everything fights for the father's influence. Because he's supposed to be the most influential person in a child's life. In his family's life. I wrote this this morning. A man, a father, created for connection but full of complexities. Built in the beginning to have dominion, but after his fall, he becomes the servant to the soil and he does it with sweat. Often misunderstood but ever trying to be the man. He's the first when God creates his image. Yet today, his reputation is flawed by a history of failure. 
If that man, that father, if he shows his weakness, his worth is permanently devalued. Yet he's supposed to be the man. As long as he is strong, as long as he secures those around him, he's the hero. Hmm. It is most often when he dies that we recall his good. If you tell him before it's too late, if you really call him for what he was created to be, who knows? He may turn around and bless you. Don't wait too long to show a father how much you love him. Our title, The Pride of a Father. Have you ever asked yourself, what would make God pleased with me? What can I do to please God? What can I do to make God proud of me? Is that even scriptural? Is that even in the Bible? What kind of notion is that? Well, I found it. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith. It is impossible to please the Father. For he that cometh to the Father must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, God is not looking to be appeased. God is looking to be pleased. God wants to be proud of you. He wants to say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He wants to say, this is my boy. This is my girl. And I've learned something. Many people live their lives to placate God. It's as if we're trying to pacify him to get to a state of peace with us. Hmm. That's a wrong perspective, y'all. Many people see God as angry and not accepting. They see him as more mad than merciful. More of a commander than a counselor. See, perspective is really powerful. Because many people see God like they see their biological father. If your biological father was not there for you, then when you pray, oftentimes you will subconsciously wonder, is God there for me? If God is a father and he's anything like my father, then he's going to be unpredictable, unstable. I can't depend on him. That is a warped perspective of the everlasting father. And Pastor Rick came today to eradicate that notion from your mind. Be careful in your search for significance. It is easy for you to fall into performance mode in order for God to approve of you. 
He ain't like your daddy. Talk in the building, Pastor Rick. You ain't got nothing to prove to God. All God asks you for is your trust. Preach here, man. Stop performing. Know that you're already approved. Start accepting his love. And listen for his voice daily saying, you are my son. In whom I am well pleased. That's true, unconditional love. That's the true love of a father. Somebody holler amen. amen. See, there's something strong about that. I've got a lot of offices and a lot of titles. I've been called a lot of things. Most of them I don't appreciate. I've been called bishop, pastor, founder, educator, and the list goes on. Mentor, spiritual father, all those things. But nothing replaces the office of me being a dad. Nothing compares. What makes that so powerful is when I know my kids trust me. See, there's nothing that makes my chest bigger than when one of my kids call me to ask me for advice. Daddy, I'm about to do this. My son, he's probably going to really kill me for this, but that's how he get over it. <clears throat> he got engaged this week. Don't tell nobody. I probably just made that announcement before he made it. But he'd be all right. I'm still his daddy. Don't get engaged unless you want folks to know it. You hear me, son? But before he did it, he called me. Dad, what do you think? Here we go down a list. And I'm not that dad that just goes, oh, son, go ahead and do it. You'll never hear me say that. I went down every reason he shouldn't. And then every reason he should. Then I said, now you make up your mind. You said, Pastor Rick, is there reasons he shouldn't? None of your business. But when you get to there's more reasons you should than you shouldn't, then you should. The fact is, he called me because he trusts me. That made my chest this big. When my kids call me and say, Dad, I'm thinking about buying, what do you think? It makes me proud. You know what God loves when you ask him? When you say, God, do you think I can? And God says, I know you can. Just because you asked me. Is that true, Pastor Rick? Oh, yeah. You got to read Numbers chapter 14. When Caleb and Joshua was about to go in to conquer the land, I wasn't going to preach. I was going to talk to y'all, tell stories, but I feel this here now. They're about to go in and conquer the land, and Caleb speaks up to Joshua. And he said, if the Lord 
delight in us, then the land he showed us is already ours. If he's proud of us and we have pleased him, there's nothing that belongs to us we cannot have. Church, you need to get that in your heart right there to the point that you say, if God is proud of me, if God is pleased with me, and I just proved to you that he is, then there's nothing that belongs to you that you cannot have because every time you reach for your possession and the enemy says you can't have it, God's going to show up and he's going to say, Daddy said, How many of you know when your daddy tells you can, you can do it, it's different than anybody else? I remember trying out for a certain position on a football team, and I asked my dad, do you think I can play quarterback? He looked at me and said, son, I know you can play quarterback. Well, move over Johnny Unitas, Bart Starr, and Edward, Tom Brady. And whoever else, because if daddy told me that I could do it, you could not convince me that I could not do it. You know what your father says about you? He says you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. You can do it because daddy said you can do it. I need somebody to jump up and scream, I can have it. Because daddy said I can have. <laughs> Tell your neighbor I can have it. Because daddy said I can have it. Thank you, Christian. Just give me a few more minutes and we're going to be gone. Because I know you can't wait to take your daddy home and rub his feet. And you say, well, my children are gone. You got a wife, don't you? Girl, you better rub a shoulder. Ooh, Lord. Don't make me go there. The power of Joseph is found in verse 3 in three words. I am Joseph. The revelation of who he was. Y'all did everything you could do to change my identity. But I am. Pharaoh's house even calls me by another name. But I know who I really am. I am Joseph. The question is, do you know, men of God, who you are? Identity crisis for men in America. Christianity is the only world religion with a chronic shortage of men. I need these children to sit down and then I will. What y'all doing? Y'all finna surprise somebody? Okay, y'all go on, sit down. Chronic shortage. Christianity is the only world religion with a chronic shortage of men. 
Are y'all, did y'all hear me? This is called the phenomenon. One of the reasons for this is what is called the phenomenon of extended adolescence. Learn something here. This has invaded this generation, this theory. Here's what it is. It's the adventure of being an adolescence is a greater appeal than the adventure of being a man. I wrote this down. This generation, this culture, this society no longer offers the man the opportunity to be a hero. This generation is trapped behind a screen with a remote in their hand living in the land of fantasy. That leads to fanatical behavior. It's proven. You clad yourself in black, you show up in a church, and you start shooting people. You know why? Because you're stupid. Because your parents allowed you to sit 10 hours playing like you killing people. And you're not satisfied till the fantasy becomes a reality. So we're raising mutants and not men. Mutants, not men. Mutants, not men. It's not real. I'm getting less and less amens. It warps the core of man. Hmm. We try nonstop to save our children from everything. So it's fine with you that he sits in the living room 12 hours a day playing games. It's fine with you because in that way, he don't have to deal with peer pressure at school. We do everything we can do to save our children from everything, including being offended. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Did not Jesus Christ himself say these words? Many offenses will come. I wrote this down. We have softened our sons by trying to save them from the very process that makes them men. We have softened our sons from the very process that makes them men. Hmm. Woo. I remember getting splattered on a football field by Gerald Kaye. That's a Cajun name, Kaye. Kinda Boudreaux and Thibodeau. I went to the sideline with tears in my eyes. I didn't ask to be pulled out the game. 
I didn't raise my hand. Coach, can you send somebody in? No, I sprinted to the sideline and acted like the wind was knocked out of me, crying. My coach sent another player in. He's coaching. Someone grabs my face mask, lifts me up. And I thought, oh, my God, my dad came out the stands. He shakes my helmet and says, this was before he was 42. What in the, are you doing? I said, Daddy, I'm hurt. He said, get your back in that game now. I didn't get to say, I did, Daddy, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, because I knew what I was going to get when I got home if I did that. And Gerald Kaye ain't got nothing on that belt. He said, look, when I was trotting back on the field, he's screaming, look for him, look for him. He's number 63. He could have said, son, I understand that hurt. You don't have to go through this, baby. Buddy, you don't have to go through this in the Spanish language, mija. Mija, everything's okay, mija, you go sit down. The revelation of who you are comes through the process of time, events, and experiences. You will never find out who you are by trying to escape trouble. You will never find out what you're made of until you face something. Y'all ain't hear me. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. You will never know who you are and what you made of by sitting out the game. You got to find out who you are. And that comes through process. He couldn't tell them I am Joseph without a pit. Talk in the building, Bishop. He could not tell them who he was unless they forsake him. He could not tell them who he was till he's put in prison. He could not tell him them who he was till he's lied on by Potiphar's wife. You don't know who you are until you go through some bad experiences. Even Jesus himself went through the wilderness. He ain't never said who he was until he was tempted <coughs> by the devil in the wilderness for 40 days. The Bible says after, Lord, I wish I didn't have this cough. I had preached today. After 40 days of fighting this devil in the wilderness, he returns into Galilee in the power of the Spirit he found the scroll of Isaiah. He opened it to the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
You don't even know why you are here until you've been through life's bad experiences. Those experiences are not allowed in your life to destroy you. They are allowed in your life to define you. God is good. Amen. So he says, he sent me before you. I'll stop. I have been through what I've been through. <clears throat> Not just for me. I've been through it for you. He said, he, you didn't get this, brothers. You didn't put me in that pit. God did My father put me there. My father allowed the Midianites to haul me away in a, in a wagon. The father <coughs> allowed me to be put in prison. My father allowed Potiphar's wife to lie on me. And my father has made me a ruler. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Quit blaming everybody else. If it wasn't for y'all, and if it wasn't for this, and if it wasn't for that, why can't you say it couldn't happen unless God allowed it to happen? <coughs> you meant it for evil. And he didn't say God turned it around and made it for good. No, he said God meant it for good. You meant it for one thing. But God meant it for another thing. And watch what he says. <coughs> After all I've been through. Forgive my cough, y'all. I'm very sorry. He says... <coughs> He has sent me to preserve a posterity. Do you know what posterity is? That's your kids. Y'all thought y'all was my brothers. You didn't know you was God's posterity. And if I wouldn't have been through what I've been through, then I couldn't help you. When I read that this morning, I wrote these words down. My mission as a man is to save a remnant. My mission as a man is to preserve my posterity. You're important. But you are not as important to me as my grandchildren. I love you. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? If a man ever gets it as his mission that I am responsible for my posterity. I can't save Dustin is 40 years old. If he ain't going to get it right, I can't help him get it right. Good God, at some point, you got to pull your own drawers up and put your pants on, pull your boots, put your boots on. But I can still tell Haley. I can still tell Jayla. And now I got me a new river. I can still influence him. See, my mission as a father, my mission as a man is to leave a legacy and preserve a posterity. If that's not your mission, brother, you're here for the wrong reason. 
I'm going to get to you. Stay with me just for a moment. Everybody good? I love this request. As soon as he sees him, he says, what's up, brothers? How's daddy? How y'all doing? Good. Next question. How's your daddy? At this point, they don't know he's Joseph, Christian. And he goes, how you doing? Good. You're Reuben, right? Yeah. Zebulun? Issachar? Dan? Naphtali? How's y'all daddy doing? Oh, he is well. And then they change the subject. Read the Bible. Three verses later, you know what he says? How is y'all's daddy doing? The third time, he doesn't say, how's y'all's daddy doing? He blows their mind. How's my daddy doing? That opened their eyes. Hold up. If it's your daddy, then you are our brother. Then he says, you got it right. I'm Joseph. Here's, here's his point of saying, how's your daddy? Because if y'all ain't good with him, you ain't good with me. And you're not Lord in Egypt right now. Y'all just missed that right now. If you're not good with daddy, you're not good with me. They need to thank God right now, even in eternity. They need to lift their hands and thank God that they said daddy's doing good. Because that told Joseph that they still had a relationship with Jacob. Because if they would have said he's a supplanter, he's a deceiver, he's not a good man, he stole the birthright, then Joseph could have said, guess what, boys? Y'all fixing to grind out the grain for about 10 years. Thank God you okay with daddy. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? The Bible says honor your father and mother. That's an attitude. Obedience is an action. Honor is an attitude. God said, if I am your father, where's my honor? Honor is an attitude. Obedience is an action. Oh, Lord, have mercy. God is good. <coughs> Finally, and in closing, he says he's made me a father. He's made me the Lord of all of his house. God made me Lord of Pharaoh's house. And God made me a ruler throughout all Egypt. I'm going to say it again. God has made me a father. God has made me Lord. God has made me ruler. What did he say first? God has made me a father. He was proud to say, before I'm a ruler in the land, before I'm Lord over all of Pharaoh's house, I'm a father. Men of God, be proud. Be proud. You're a dad. Oh, you, you, let me tell you something. People think women can be rough on men and children can be rough on men. Can't nobody be rougher on men than men. Am I right, brothers? You set a goal for your kids and you don't do it. You, you make plans with your wife and you change your mind. 
she's got 100,000 words and your words are, I don't know. <laughs> and they look at you and say, but you said. But they don't know what happened on your job that day. They don't know what you went through. Brothers, listen to me. Father's Day is a day that preachers go to pulpits and beat the hell out of men. Mothers get the flowers. They come with their hats. They're bragged on. How many kids you got? Who the oldest mine? Who the youngest mine? Dads, here's your screwdriver. Now let me tell you how no good you are. You don't spend no time with your kids. You spend no time with your wife. Get it right, man. You no good scoundrel. Amen. And Father's Day, men leave the church like this. Just like they walk into their house after work. Just like they leave their house for work. Men are beat down in this day. This preacher came by to tell you, straighten your shoulders. Put a strut in your stride. Hold your head high. And say loud, I'm a man. I'm not only a man, I'm a daddy. I, go ahead, Mike. I am a father. <coughs> he says, he has made me a father. Stay standing, men. He not only sent me ahead of you but he made me say it men he sent me and he made me he sent me and he made me he transformed me into a father I wasn't born a father I was born a male but he made me a father you got to understand that he said this before he had any biological children. Did y'all hear what I just said? He said he's made me a father and he ain't got no kids. I got real convicted about this. <coughs> and preachers are a little bit leery of preaching these kind of messages on Father's Day because there's so many absentee fathers. Over half the people in this building can say I was raised without my dad present. That's the generation you live in. And Edwin Lewis Cole called it the curse of a generation is the absentee father. Producing a child does not make you a father. Impregnating a woman does not make you a father. Fathering is not an event. Fathering is a lifetime of experiencing, of experiences. Fathering is not for the faint of heart. It takes fortitude. It takes unconditional love. That is an equilibrium that requires a balance of wisdom and understanding. Remain standing, please, guys. If someone said being a good dad is easy, they're not telling you the truth. Being a good dad is not easy. But it is the most rewarding office that a man can ever occupy. 
Being a dad sometimes mean, means loving someone that you did not procreate. Say it again, Pastor Rick. Being a dad sometimes means loving someone that you did not procreate. The fields of the fatherless are crying for caring men. God created you as a man. He makes you a father. Men, can I have your attention please? Men, pay attention to the fields of the fatherless. Proverbs 23.10 says, Remove not the old landmark. And do not enter the fields of the fatherless. Listen carefully to me, please, brothers. Do not remove the old landmarks and do not enter the fields of the fatherless. This stands out to us almost as a warning. I don't know about you all, but I can feel the intensity of the statement. It sounds like an alarm of defense. Do not enter the fields of the fatherless. If you look at this next statement in that verse, the writer, you can sense his awareness concerning their protection, the fatherless protection. In verse 11, you know what he says? For there the fatherless, for their redeemer is mighty. Whose redeemer? The fatherless redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with you. Hmm. The NIV says it like this. Their defender is strong and he will take up their case against you. Their defender is strong. Whose defender? The fatherless defender is strong and God will take up their case with you. Men, is not our place to stand by and watch a fatherless generation meander their way through life trying to find some kind of identity these poignant words of warning rush off the pages like a locomotive looking for impact Solomon declares with a clarion tone of the trumpet of God do not overlook the fatherless do not reject the fatherless. Do not discount children that are living without their father. You want to see a real church? A real church is filled with men that don't allow kids that walk into that building that do not have a father to feel fatherless. Let me repeat that. You want to see a real church? A real church is filled with men who do not allow children to run through the building, walk in the building, without a father to feel fatherless. If you were real men, you make every child in this sanctuary feel protected. You make every child in this sanctuary feel like you love them I wish the whole church would clap your hands and give God praise on that because we live in a fatherless generation 